now listening to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. Second one after the week. Well, starts again. Yep. Sorry. Well, all right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast, the second one coming after this week. I am Alex Shane here with Rich Hill talking about week 13 in the NFL. Patriots are home against the Vikings. Lots going on. The playoff picture starting to come into shape. Rich, you ready for this? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is the final stretch. We're here to break down games in December, which means that football finally matters because, as Bill Belichick always says, the football season does not start until after Thanksgiving, and the Patriots are in fantastic position for the final stretch. They really are. Things really shook the Patriots' way in Week 12. However, Week 13 could also go New England's way. Got some pretty important games on the slate from a Patriots' perspective. Starting off in the AFC East, we have another divisional showdown. The Bills are at Miami taking on the Dolphins. The Bills have won two straight, beat the Jets, beat the Jaguars last week. The Dolphins have lost a couple last minute against the Colts. Who is going to be the victor in this one, Rich? I mean, it's hard to root against the Miami Dolphins while they're at home, so I would say that they should be the favorite, although, I mean, it's closer than you would expect. Though The Bills have one of the top defenses in the entire league. Josh Allen has been playing well when he's been available. Not going to say he's been playing great, but he seems to have some sort of ability to make it a competitive game on offense, and their defense is able to do the rest. I don't have that same confidence with that Miami Dolphins team. And if I am the New England Patriots, I am rooting for the Buffalo Bills to win this one because, egg, it'll hand the Miami Dolphins their seventh loss of the season, and it will help the Patriots inch their way closer to yet another AFC East divisional crown. But more importantly, Alec, it means that the Bills will get their fifth win of the year, and they will continue to absolutely sabotage themselves with their draft stock. And I am always here for that. Yeah, I mean, if the entire AFC East or not the Patriots could finish between like six and ten and seven and nine, that'd be so ideal. Probably not gonna happen because the Jets stink, but that's okay. Shouldn't be a huge game to watch, but something to monitor for sure. Big game for me though, Rich, the night game, Sunday night game, Chargers at Steelers. Chargers are under the radar, a white hot team. They're taking a backseat to the Chiefs, obviously, same division. But they are a really, really good football team. Steelers coming off a pretty embarrassing loss at Denver. They have to win this game if they want to keep in contention for that two seed. But the Chargers have to keep winning to keep the attention for the Chiefs' wildcard spot and possibly taking over the Chiefs. They're only one game behind the Chiefs in terms of maybe one and a half of the tiebreaker. But they're right up there with the Chiefs for a potential one seed. They could jump from a wildcard spot to a one seed depending on how things shake out. This should be a really good game. I'm really excited for it. Yeah, absolutely. And the Steelers always play up or down to their competition, so this should be a, a pretty good match because the Chargers are good, so the Steelers should probably be their good version on Sunday night. But these are two teams that just lost pretty recently to the Denver Broncos. Chargers lost to the Broncos the week before the, the Steelers did. So uh, both teams have some chips on their shoulder. They're trying to prove that they deserve to remain in contention and be taken seriously. 
I'm expecting a high-scoring affair. I don't know. I mean, you got their two 2004 quarterbacks that are very much outplaying the Eli Manning quarterback. Uh, you got your Roethlisberger. You got your Rivers. You got a lot of talent on both sides. Melvin Gordon, though, probably will not be playing for the Chargers. That is a major loss. And so, in my mind, you got to give the edge to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Although, if I am the New England Patriots, I want the Chargers to win this one just to really put the Patriots in a stronger position to get a first-round buy ahead of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, definitely pulling for Los Angeles in this one, but knowing the way the Steelers have played their games is probably going to come down to the fourth quarter, and it's at Pittsburgh, and you usually default to the home team when they're fairly evenly matched like this. I don't see Pittsburgh dropping two in a row here, unfortunately. However, if they do, the Steelers do drop another one, That'll really set up nicely for a second seed, at least, as the playoff picture is starting to come into focus here. There are no clinching scenarios for either conference this week, I believe. Definitely not for the Patriots. However, if the Patriots beat the Vikings this Sunday and beat the Dolphins the following Sunday, they officially clinch the AFC. Am I correct there? Yep, absolutely, because... No matter what happens between the Bills and the Dolphins, if the Patriots win against the Vikings, that'll be their ninth win of the season. If they beat the Dolphins, that'll be their tenth. They will also, like, as concurrently hand the Dolphins their seventh loss of the season. So no matter how the rest of the season plays out, no other team in the AFC East could catch or even match the Patriots' record. Therefore, they win the division. So mostly Patriots fans, you should be watching the AFC playoff picture games. So Patriots Vikings, clearly the most important, but also Steelers Chargers, maybe root for uh, Oakland Raiders home upset over the Kansas City Chiefs, even though there's not a chance that that's ever going to (laughs) happen. Or for my money, Cleveland Browns on the road against the Houston Texans. Patriots want the Texans to lose just to keep that AFC South competitive. The Browns can win. They have an offense all of a sudden now that they fired Hugh Jackson. Alec, is there any chance that the Cleveland Browns could beat the Houston Texans here? Yeah. No, there definitely is. I mean, I'm all in on Baker Mayfield and the Browns. They're in some kind of revival. And I imagine, I don't know the math, but I can't do the numbers in my head, but I could foresee some ridiculous, crazy scenario where the Browns run the table, go 9-6-1, and one, and through like the seventh tiebreaker, Sneak into the playoffs as a sixth seed. Probably not going to happen, but not impossible. Yeah, I mean, it, it isn't impossible because right now, sure, the Chargers have one of those wild card spots locked up, but the Browns are, what, a game and a half out? They have the Ravens at six and five, but Broncos five and six, Bengals five and six, Colts six and five. Those are the teams that the Cleveland Browns have to leapfrog. I mean, we could throw the Titans in there as well. The Browns have to leapfrog those teams. Can they do it? They have games against the Ravens, games against the Bengals, so they have an opportunity to knock down their opponents. I mean, clearly they have a a really tough road to play against. They also have a game against the Texans and the Broncos and then the Panthers, although they all of a sudden look terrible in the NFC. But if the if the Browns are good enough to go five and zero to finish the year, go nine six and one, then that means that those teams that they've played and defeated, you know, both the Bengals, the Ravens, Texans, Broncos, those teams, they probably are bad enough to lose another game. And so, yeah, honestly, maybe it is enough. Maybe the the, the Browns could sneak into the playoffs, and I would be all here for the you know the Cleveland Browns to play the Pittsburgh Steelers in Wild Card Weekend because I would love to see a rematch of the season opener where the Steelers and the Browns tied and I would absolutely want Baker Mayfield to go nuts and eliminate the Pittsburgh Steelers over Wild Card Weekend that would just be mwah. 
Baker Mayfield heads to Foxborough for the divisional round. I would love, oh man, don't want to talk about it. That's ridiculous. Let's get to the real football that matters, Rich. Patriots are hosting the Minnesota Vikings, the late game, the 4 p.m. game this Sunday. The Vikings are one of those teams, kind of like the Chargers in the AFC. No one's really talking about the Vikings, but they're a very solid team. Lights out defense, serviceable offense. Kirk Cousins, a phenomenal receiving duo, decent run game. This should not be an easy game by any stretch of the imagination. Oh, absolutely. And it's sure Tom Brady has had some success in the past against these Mike Zimmer defenses, but it's a good defense. They play enough man on the outside to make it complicated, force Tom Brady to hold on to the football. And they have a devastating defensive front. Danielle Hunter is one of the best young pass rushers in the league. He's only 24 years old. They have strong defensive interior. Linval Joseph, Sheldon Richardson. I mean, this is a very talented defense. They are very, very deep. It's not going to be easy to put up points, and it's going to come down to whether or not the Patriots can go mano-a-mano with this Minnesota Vikings offense, and I think we should start talking there. Uh, The Minnesota Vikings offense consists of Adam Thalen, who leads the team with 1,158 yards from scrimmage, eight touchdowns. He has tied the Minnesota Vikings franchise record for most 100-yard games in a season previously held by one Mr. Randy Moss. Thalen has five more games to go. He has been incredible. And then they have Stephon Diggs, who has 838 yards from scrimmage, another very, very productive receiver. If you're Brian Flores, Bill Belichick, and the New England Patriots, what are you going to do to stop this Minnesota Vikings offense? Yeah, you know, I think it's going to be the battle of Stephon's. I think I'm putting Stephon Gilmore on Stephon Diggs. I think they match up better in terms of physicality and skill set. Thielen's uh, kind of like a bigger, stronger, faster Wes Welker, and then he's very shifty, he's very elusive, he's right across the middle. I wouldn't put Stephon Gilmore on him. I'd maybe use a kind of Jason McCourty, Pat Chung, Deron Harmon kind of trio on him, pass him off every two seconds, make sure someone's always got an eye on him, and play a lot of, of very, very tight press man coverage that may open up the deep pass, but... I don't think Kirk Cousins is a very accurate deep ball thrower, so I'm willing to take that risk and allow Devin McCourty to patrol the deep latter half of the field. But I think the real matchup is going to be Stephon Gilmore versus Stephon Diggs because Stephon Gilmore has been lights out this season against most teams, save that little hiccup he had against Tennessee. I very much trust him to take out Stephon Diggs. So the question is, can the Vikings exploit Adam Thielen against a weird hodgepodge of whoever Brian Flores throws out on the secondary against him? And honestly, based on the production Thielen's been having this season, combined with the general lack of pass rush, combined with how vulnerable the Patriots are to crossing routes over the middle, I really don't know if they can can execute that plan. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, This is a very strong Vikings offense. You go beyond the Adam Thalen and Stephon Diggs. You got a good backfield, Latavius Murray and Dalvin Cook. They are productive. Cook's just recently returned from an injury, but they're a solid duo. Kyle Rudolph is a strong, you know, third-tier tight end, and I say that as a compliment in the fact that he's, like, not in the Travis Kelsey column. He's probably not that next one, but he's, like, he is a solid tight end, 425 yards from scrimmage, so you'll have to watch him. And if I'm the Patriots, I'll say, Patrick Chung, you get that responsibility. Uh, but then you have a kind of a rotation of math players, Laquan Treadwell, Aldrick Robinson, who's a deep ball threat. They don't really have too much beyond that. And so if I am Brian Flores, I'm looking at Thalen, Stefan Diggs, saying you guys are the most important players of the Steelers, or of this Vikings offense, and saying 
Stephon Gilmore, I want you to go against Adam Thalen. Thalen's taller than Diggs. I know that. I feel like Diggs is a little bit more uh, explosive down the field, and that's not taking anything away from Thalen, but I think Diggs with the ball in his hand is a little more dangerous. Uh, but Thalen is just better able to create separation at the top of his routes. And I think that I would want Stephon Gilmore out there using his closing speed to try and remove Thalen from the game, potentially with safety help the entire time allow Jason McCordy and Stefan Diggs to go toe-to-toe, but this is a, a game where maybe you do cover two, maybe you try and have safety help over the top of both Thalen and Diggs, allow your other players to have their one-on-one matchups, and just hope that Trey Flowers and the Patriots defensive front is able to do enough to get to Kirk Cousins and do enough to generate some sort of pressure because Cousins has completed 71.1% of his passes this year. He is not throwing many incomplete. This is not a game where the Patriots are going to be able to sit back and say, all right, this is Josh McCown. This is what they're going to do with the Jets. I, I can expect him to throw an incomplete pass more than one-third of the time. Here, if you try and wait for Kirk Cousins to throw an incomplete pass, he's just going to march down the field. This is what Alex Smith always does or always had done with the Chiefs against the Patriots. That's what teams that have success against the Patriots do is they take what's given to them and march down the field. Patriots have to get that pressure against Kirk Cousins. They cannot allow him to settle back there. And so that's why my X factor of the game is going to be Trey Flowers. If, if the Patriots can generate any pressure up front, it will be from Trey Flowers. He's their cornerstone. He's their best defensive front player. If he can get after Kirk Cousins, doesn't even have to get a sack, but if he can disrupt Cousins on eight plays over the course of the game, Patriots have a real chance to stop this Vikings offense. Tell you, man, those are always the most frustrating games as well, aren't they? Watching these teams dink and dunk their way down the field. And the Patriots have nothing to do to stop it. And the 71% completion percentage is a very scary stat. I did not know that, and I'm not happy about it. But what can you do? I think in terms of a hat on a hat, it's a good matchup. It's just a matter of can the Patriots execute, as you said. For my defensive X factor, I'm going to take a real flyer for once. I've been kind of making some pretty big swings and misses on my X factor. So I'm going to swing for the rafters. And I'm going to say Obi Melifonwu gets in and sees some real action in the middle of the field against Kyle Rudolph as a kind of pass-off hybrid linebacker, Pat Chung 2.0 or junior, however you want to call it. Not sure he'll even see the field, but if he starts, I think this is the kind of game that Belichick signed him to play in, the bigger physical guy that makes the middle crossing routes less enjoyable or appealing for receivers. Take those away and see if he can he can become a positive contributor. Now, we'll see what happens with that one, but I think if he can utilize the skill set that he has, the athleticism that he has, it could make things a lot harder for Kirk Cousins on those dink and dunk passes. Oh, I think that's important, too, because you look at the running backs that the Vikings have, both Latavius Murray and Dalvin Cook. I mean, they've combined for you know, an average, I mean, they have 44 targets over the year. I know that Dalvin Cook hasn't played the whole time, but that averages out to four targets to running backs per game. And those are just their top running backs. I know CJ Ham has a few. He has 13 targets, I believe, on the year. So you sprinkle them out here and there. Running backs are getting at least five targets per game for the Vikings. Patriots really struggle at covering running backs out of the backfield. And so is it going to be Obi? Maybe they'll put Patrick Chung out there. Who knows what it's going to be? I like that pick for Obi because that would be a nice role. The Patriots are going to have to be very, very careful of not allowing these running backs to get out of the backfield because they have been very, very productive. But looking at the other side of the ball, Patriots running backs have also been very, very productive, and that is not the cleanest segue over to the New England offense. <laughs> but they will have their hands full against this Minnesota Vikings defense 
right here, Alec. Let me read some stats to you. The Vikings, yeah, they rank 10th in points allowed, but 3rd in yards allowed. They rank 8th in turnovers, 8th in first downs allowed, 6th in yards per attempt, 4th in rushing yards per attempt. They are a very, very good defense. Actually, here's an even more important one than the 10th in points. They rank 3rd in points allowed per drive, so they are very, very efficient. When you're Josh McDaniels, Tom Brady, and company, and you're looking at this Minnesota Vikings defense that might not have star cornerback Xavier Rhodes who appeared to tweak his hamstring or suffer a leg injury on Sunday, what are you going to do? How are you going to approach this elite defense and be productive? Yeah, I mean, I think the real key, we saw a glimpse of it this past Sunday against the Jets, is the health of the offensive line is going to be crucial to this game. Shaq Mason kind of come back at a better time. Protecting Tom Brady is always paramount when you're the Patriots because when he gets hit, especially with interior pressure, they get the middle guys up the middle, up the seam. They can't let him step up in the pocket. He gets rattled early, and that's all downhill from there. So step one is obviously protecting Brady. Maybe Rob Gronkowski is more of a blocker. This has been a great game for Dwayne Allen to be healthy, get an extra guy along the line, but he's going to be out, and I don't trust Hollister at all as a blocker. So maybe Gronk has a bigger day as a blocking tight end. But I think it's when you deep, really go really, really deep into your playbook and your depth chart. And you get guys like Philip Dorsett out there. Maybe you go a lot of five wide. Maybe if you if you don't run the ball as much, you're having trouble early on in the game, moving the ball with Sony Michelle and James White between the tackles. You go old school 2007 West Coast offense. You spread everybody out. You don't allow the Vikings time to adjust or substitute. Do a lot of no huddle. You get you get Chris Hogan. You get Dorsett. You get Edelman. You get Cordero Patterson. You get Josh Gordon. Those are five wide receivers. You spread them out, and you do a lot of slants, a lot of quick crosses, a lot of quick screens. Get Patterson in the backfields on those those jet sweeps and those end arounds and those tosses. Keep them guessing. Do a lot of confusing things. And once you've done that, the Vikings are on their heels a little bit. Then maybe you back off and establish the run that way. So maybe they kind of go old school, still high flying, because they can't go too much farther down the depth chart. The Vikings have good corners up top, but they're a little weaker down the, the, the slot and, and down guys. Maybe it's time to explore the, the fourth or fifth option for Minnesota. That's probably what I'd do. Yeah, no, I mean, this is going to be a, a really important game for Josh McDaniels to get all of his toys in order. I mean, you, you look at how the Patriots haven't had a full complement of receivers or offensive skill players all year. They should have all the pieces there, right? Sony Michelle's back coming off of a great game. James White has continued to be productive. Edelman looks great despite the fact that he's coming back from his torn ACL. Josh Gordon has absolutely settled into the Patriots offense. Gronk returned last week against the Jets. Hopefully he can continue to build his role against the Minnesota Vikings, although I wouldn't really count on him being too productive because we saw Jamal Adams have a lot of success against Gronk last week. Harrison Smith is even better. Harrison Smith, for my money, is the best safety in the entire NFL, and he is going to probably be tasked with covering Rob Gronkowski. So if I am Josh McDaniels, I agree with you. I try and keep Gronkowski in the line of scrimmage, maybe try to chip away at Danielle Hunter, well, the best pass rusher of the Vikings. He has over 11 sacks on the year. Definitely have to watch out for him. But bringing Gronkowski in towards the line of scrimmage, maybe Sony Michelle will be able to generate some yardage on the ground and be productive. I'm going to actually kind of go counter to what kind of makes sense if Xavier Rhodes, their top cornerback, isn't there. I am going to try and establish a little bit of a run game early on, and hopefully, hopefully, hopefully that'll create some options for the, the play-action pass down the road. I would expect to see some of those quick slants that we've grown accustomed to with Josh Gordon, where he just does that quick little angle route and gets open on the inside, uses his body to box out the opposing defender. 
maybe Chris Hogan will be open for a flyer down the field. And then, of course, Julian Edelman should have some opportunities if Gronkowski is able to draw away some coverage. So this is a game where you're going to have to settle in. You're going to have to get a little comfortable because Zimmer... Uh, the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings, his defenses are incredibly disciplined, but Brady is very familiar with them. And we talked about this on the earlier podcast that the Patriots like to sit around for the first quarter, figure out how the opposing team is playing to kind of solve it heading into the second quarter and into the second half, and then just explode down the final stretch this is going to be one of those games. The Patriots are going to have to withstand all the punches of the Vikings early on, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Vikings brought a lot of pressure, but hopefully Patriots will be able to settle, embrace, take on that contact, and just kind of just give back more than they got over the rest of the game. Would you think it's a good strategy, Rich, to stick to the run no matter what, at least early on in the game? You talk about trying to establish the run. If it's not working, they kind of abandon it. They've done this a decent amount of times in the past, not just this year, but in seasons past as well. They try running the ball with Garrett Blunt or whoever it is. Not working. Forget it. We got Tom Brady. We'll just go shotgun and do that the whole time. You see a scenario here where maybe sticking to the run, even if it's really not working, will pay off down the stretch? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And part of that is because Xavier Rhodes won't be playing. I would expect that the Minnesota Vikings would do whatever they can to kind of protect whoever will be stepping up. They got Trey Waynes. They got Mackenzie Alexander likely to step into their starting roles. Uh, but if, if they try to give help to whoever's going to be trying, you know, crossing their fingers against Josh Gordon, something will break. Something will open up down the field. And what is important when you have new defenders in for an injured player is to make them think, make them think a lot, especially because they're not going to have a lot of players that are, you know, with a lot of experience because Mike Hughes was one of their other uh, main cornerbacks. He's on the injured reserve with the torn ACL. So, if Xavier Rhodes is unable to play, they'll be really scratching down their death chart. Play action forces players to overthink. That plays everything into the Patriots' favor. So I would continue to, to run the ball early on. You know, Give the Vikings some looks so they think they feel comfortable, and if they see the play again, they'll bite on it. We're going to see Josh McDaniels call a few plays that seem like throwaways, that seem like head-scratchers in the first quarter, where Sony Michelle is going to run into the teeth of the defense, and that'll pay off down the road because that's just what they always do. You're just going to have to accept it. You know, it's funny you mentioned that kind of head scratching plays you see once in a while. I'm glad you you said that because my X factor for this game is definitely going to be Cordero Patterson. Uh, I think he's another, he's due for a, a big break in the kicking game. He hasn't had one of those in a while, and you just see they keep integrating him more and more into the offense. I mean, he picked up a fourth down as a running back oh, against yeah. the Jets. He, he he tried to dive into the end zone from like four or five yards out on the goal <laughs> line, which is which is hysterical. I think he's really becoming the the gadget player that we all knew he'd be. He's not much of a receiver. There's, I think there's one deep pass that Brady threw to Patterson where he just ran a bad route and couldn't get back to it. I don't really see him as a as a major threat as a a deep receiver or a elaborate root tree. But I think as a player that they run enough gadget plays with him they get to the point the vikings defense does where he's on the field they gotta account for him what are they going to do with him motion out of the backfield but i've yet to see a play action pass with patterson as the running back i love to see him try and sell a, a patterson play action a deep throw to josh gordon i think patterson has is primed for a big day maybe not necessarily even on the stat sheet but just as kind of a, a gadget guy to move around the field, keep the defense honest, throw them off their heels a little bit, which will open the playbook for the rest of the team. Oh, absolutely. I love that. I actually 
really, really appreciated. I noticed when this was happening against the Jets that the Patriots had this specific package that they used four or five times against the Jets where they had Cordero Patterson in the backfield. He was off. He was set a little bit in a unique position where he was set behind the tight end and the tackle, but he was away from the running back. So he was kind of in no man's land and it created an opportunity where, you know what, if he ran the jet sweep, the opposing team had to be ready with a linebacker. Uh, Or if he ran out as a receiver, they need to have a defensive back because my goodness, you don't want to have a linebacker in coverage of Cordero Patterson. Uh, especially if you just give him a quick little screen to the outside. So it forces the defense to think a lot about what's going to happen. And the Patriots on those four plays gained 37 yards, according to Zach's Cox of Nesson. So that is a play that I wouldn't be surprised if we saw against the Minnesota Vikings, where Cordell Patterson's in the backfield. Who knows if he's going to get the ball or not, but he's going to force the defense to overthink. It's basically a play-action pass without the play-action because the team's going to have to be like, I don't know where this is going. I don't know who's going to get the ball. <laughs> and it works out well. It works out to their favor. So I like that with Cordell Patterson. And I'm, I'm going to stick in a similar position of the offense. I'm not going to go with one of the main stars because, yeah, <laughs> Sony Michelle, Julian Edelman, Josh Gordon, Gronkowski, James White, they're going to have to be productive. And I'm not surprised by that. They should be able to... to you know, have some success in their matchups. I'm going to go with Chris Hogan. Chris Hogan is going to be my X factor, and I'm not expecting him to have like a 100-yard game against the Minnesota Vikings, but he did a good job of getting open last week against the Jets. He clearly caught the eye of Tom Brady, got his two targets, made the most of those opportunities, and he will be the fifth guy in the Patriots offense. You know, you have one running back on the field, whether it's James White or Sonny Michelle. Then you have Gordon on the outside, Edelman in the slot, Gronkowski at tight end. Chris Hogan is generally that fifth target for New England. And if you're looking at this Minnesota Vikings defense, they match up pretty well against these top players. And exactly what you said early on is that this is going to be where the fourth and fifth guys of the Patriots are going to have to separate themselves Chris Hogan is my top number five guy for the Patriots. And so I want him to have a big game because if he's able to produce, then the Patriots should be able to take control of the game and really dictate how the Vikings play on their side when they're on offense. Nothing like the top number five guy to really shake things up on the the offense. No, I think it's great. Chris Hogan as a receiving threat against the Jets. He only had two catches, but there were big catches and there were big gains. And the more important thing is Tom Brady's now looking his way again. We talked a couple podcasts uh, a little while ago about how he's been open a couple times and Brady just didn't even look at him. He's just like a ghost, Tom Brady. Whatever happened during the bye week, maybe they got in a little spat during week four and they made up. Whatever it is, Hogan is back in the offense. And he's always been kind of like a – four catches for maybe 50 yards and maybe a TD kind of player. That's kind of his standard stat line. So it's good to see him getting back towards that. And if he can be that guy, I think it should bode very well for this team because they really need to keep winning if they want to keep a stranglehold on that two seed. I don't know if Week 13 will shake out as favorably for the Patriots as Week 12 did in terms of other teams losing where they need to lose. But we'll see what happens when the teams play on Sunday. Time for predictions, Rich. Uh, I think based on the final score, I had 31-17. I am a little closer than you were with your 34-20 prediction. So I guess I will take the Jets one, even though we were both pretty far off on how many points the Jets would score. But that's okay. Patriots are hosting the Minnesota Vikings this Sunday, 4.05 p.m. The Patriots are at home. 
which is a big advantage. They don't really lose at home, especially in December. They don't usually lose in November either, and they lost to the Titans. But I think the Patriots are still a better team. It's Tom Brady against Kirk Cousins. That's something you take Tom Brady every single time. This might not be a comfortable win, or it might be an absolute blowout. It's not going to be one of those 10-point games. It's going to be either like a three-score victory or a very, very narrow one. I'm going to skew towards the latter, unfortunately. I think this game's a little closer than it needs to be, but the Patriots pull it out late, 27-20. to Oh, that's very, very close. Yeah, uh, my first inclination is that this is also going to be a super close game. I mean, this is a Vikings team that has a good defense. Defense usually travels a little bit better than offenses do, but Patriots offense is at home. And so... You look at their their teams. Tight, uh, sorry, the Vikings rank tenth on defense. Patriots rank eleventh on defense. That's kind of, you know, not going to say it's a push because the Vikings have played a pretty difficult slate of offenses. But Patriots have a better offense, and they're at home. Uh, it should be a close game. I, I expect the the Vikings to have the ball late. Maybe they'll be able to try and tie it or something. But New England's going to be able to make a big play on defense because Kirk Cousins has kind of struggled to put games away or try to make these comebacks. So I have the Patriots winning this one, uh, 30 to 24, 30, 24, one score game for both of us. Uh, I hope it's not 30 to 24 with the Vikings driving with the chance to win it on like a last minute extra point. Cause those are always the worst. And this is not a defense I trust in, in those situations. Although this is when Deron Harmon shines. So maybe this will finally be a chance for Deron Harmon to get that end zone pick. He's good for at least once or twice a season. Either way should be a great game. And if the Patriots win this one, they can turn their focus towards at Miami at Pittsburgh, which is a very difficult back-to-back road game stretch. And after that, it's home, hopefully, all the way through. So really big three weeks of football coming up for the Patriots. Oh, absolutely. And we'll have breakdowns on patspulpit.com. We'll have live game commentary on Sunday on the website, on Twitter. Follow us at Pat's Pulpit. Alec, do you have any final thoughts on week 13 of the NFL season? That should do it, buddy. All right. Until next time, you have a good one. See ya. I'm Anil Dash, and I'm the host of a new show called Function from the Vox Media Podcast Network and Glitch. This season, we're talking with experts about why our voting machines are so bad and how that might hurt our elections. We'll also talk with an animator to find out how popular dances from the real world end up in video games. And we're going to tackle the biggest question in tech. Why do so many celebrities use screenshots from that Apple Notes app to make their public apologies when they screw up? You can find new episodes of Function every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And thanks to Microsoft Azure for sponsoring Function.